Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man. <laughs> Getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to understand who the breaker is and the breaker anointing. And that's why my guest, Barbara Yoder, I want you that, you that are not that familiar with her uh, to find out a bit. And I'm going to find out a bit about how she came to the Lord, because at one point she was a flaming atheist. Uh, and it reminds me a little bit of, of, of my, my wife, Barbara, in that uh, my wife, uh, was an atheist, but she decided she wasn't going to tell anyone she was an atheist just in case there was a God. So she became an agnostic. Uh, but you read a book of an amazing follower of Jesus, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, called The Cost of Discipleship, and that made a major impact on your life. Tell me about it. Yeah, it sure did. I was... Um... I was an atheist because of a lot of tragedy. I'd, I'd been brought up a Christian, and uh, and I was also an intellectual. So I uh, knew that I had been brought up to believe in God, but didn't believe there was one given circumstances. And so was reading all the prominent, both Christian and non-Christian philosophers, happened on Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship. And one night, um, I, I went up to my room, my bedroom, and was just sitting in the middle of the bed and said, um, I'm going to read some more of this book. And um, I got to a place in the book where it talked about the leap of faith. And something inside of me just said, you've got to jump off the edge. You've got to jump off the precipice. What if God does exist? What if he's real? And what if you can know him? And so, to me, the leap of faith was to just say, God, if you exist, I have a few things to talk over with you. Well, the minute those words left my mouth, all of a sudden, Jesus walked into my room. And when I saw him... I, I, I always wonder, there's someone with ha having no paradigm for the supernatural. Jesus walks into their room. Uh, were you intimidated? Were you afraid? What, 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 was, what were emotions were going on? No, listen, I wasn't afraid at all. When I saw him, I began weeping. It was like liquid love. Uh, I just wept, and I wept, and I wept, and I wept. And I was not a person who cried. I had to watch a, a sorrowful movie to make me cry about once a year and relieve the tension. So it wasn't fear. It was just liquid love. I was totally overcome by love when I saw him, and it literally opened up a door. I don't know how to tell you uh, to explain it, Sid, other than I literally felt like a door opened down inside my belly um, in, in my innermost man, and it was like everything that was in a black box down there holding me prisoner began to just uh, be drained outside of me. Uh, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried as I released all the junk because I was in his presence, 
and his and I found out for the first time he was a god of total and absolute love. I had been brought up with a god of fear. Uh, I was afraid of him. I never could do anything right. Uh, he was a god who killed people. Uh, my mother died. They told me that was God's will. My grandparents died within a month of my mother. They told me that was God's will. Uh, it was just like God wasn't a very nice person to me. But when I saw Jesus that night, I literally was transformed in that instance and never since that night have I doubted his existence. Uh, you know, I can really relate to what you're saying because my experience was so similar. When you use the term liquid love, uh, when it happened, I didn't know how, I didn't know the term, but I knew that it happened. And it was, and many times people will say, well, how did you become a believer? And I'll say, I don't really understand it. But when that love hit me, I had no more questions. Yeah, wasn't it incredible? Is, so I, I totally relate to that. But uh, you had a lot of uh, bad habits. And I understand shortly thereafter you were uh, uh, water baptized, but you got more than a water baptism. What happened? Well, it was a little bit, uh, uh, it was probably about a year afterwards I, I moved to Detroit. And uh, uh, they told me I needed to get water baptized. And so, you know, I was an intellectual, so I had to study it first. What's water baptism? Why do I need to be water baptized? And once I studied it in the scripture, I understood not just water baptism as a spirit as a as a physical experience but as a as a spiritual experience that had power associated with it you know because romans talks about the the uh, that the, we're baptized and into into jesus and that when we're baptized we arise to walk in the newness of life and and when I was baptized, I was so released from old habits. And they also said that when Jesus was baptized in water, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So believe God to be baptized in the Holy Spirit simultaneously. So when I came up out of that uh, tank of water, I not only uh, was baptized in water, walking in the newness of life, with Jesus uh, freed from bad habits, but I was speaking in an unknown tongue, which was was totally foreign to me because I was brought up uh, uh, to, to not even believe in tongues, uh, that it was of the devil and all that, you know, other stuff were taught. But here I was speaking in this language that I didn't even have an interpretation for. Uh, you know, I believe that what you just described is normal. It's what is supposed to be. The early Jewish believers, uh, I've read reports, used to believe when they would go under the water, everything negative in their life would stay under the water. And when they came up, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. So you were just normal, but abnormal to what is considered normal Christianity. I think you know what I mean anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Barbara. It was powerful. I, I so believe that my old man... The, the man of sin that had a will against God would be buried in those, in those waters of baptism, and I'd get a new heart, a fleshy heart, 
that I literally said took a list of things I needed to be freed from in the baptismal tank with me. And I I totally believe that when I came up out of the water that I would be free. There were about five or six things on that list. And and when I came up out of the water, uh, one of them was smoking. I was a chain smoker. And uh, after that night, I never have ever smoked again. Just like that, in one moment. I had tried to stop smoking. Uh, I remember being able to go as long as three weeks without smoking, but it was I was so addicted. I remember walking down a street, the most prominent street in Detroit, and here I was, uh, a university professor, and I stopped on the street. I noticed this guy he had a pack of cigarettes in his pocket and his shirt, and I couldn't go any longer than three weeks, and I stopped this guy and said, could I bum a cigarette off of you, <laughs> and would you please light my cigarette? I mean, that's how bad it was that I was willing to stop a total stranger on the street for a cigarette. I was so desperate. And twice I'd made it to three weeks, but I couldn't go any longer. But when I was baptized in water, that old man who was addicted to cigarettes was buried, and I was totally free from what, for me, was an addiction. Uh, Barbara, briefly, give me a description of the breaker anointing. The breaker anointing is... Uh, uh, is an anointing. I, I believe one of the names of God is God the Breaker, Micah 2.13. Barnes Notes talks about it. And the Breaker anointing is when you are up against impossible circumstances and through through either revelation, well, it always involves revelation of some sort. When that comes on you as to who God is and, and what he will do, that, that impossible, that you begin to declare what God is saying, and that breaker anointing comes on you, it's really Jesus the breaker, uh, and he goes before you and breaks open that which is impossible for us to get through. Uh, you know, as as I've been studying your material, it's almost as if uh, there is a stronghold in the invisible world of the demonic stopping our prayers from getting through, stopping, as the word uh, explains itself, stopping a breakthrough. Uh, and what you have found is when you teach on this and when you pray for people— this breaker anointing comes on them, and then in their life, the, the, the salvation of their family, their, their physical health, their finances, uh, their marriages, uh, when that resistance is gone, then it's real easy for the manifestation of the prayers. Uh, what type of feedback have you gotten from people that you've taught on the breaker anointing? Oh, my goodness. Um, families have been changed. Uh, the individual has been changed. Um, I just got a a letter the other day from somebody who had sat in one of my uh, uh, teachings or, or preaching where I'd been speaking at a conference. And just through the preaching of the Word, they literally were transformed. Things broke off of them. And they were able to break through to a new dimension and break off some old habit patterns and mindsets 
that before that time they were just totally incapable of breaking. Uh, well, you know, a lot of people are very fearful about what you don't even have to be a prophet to know is coming on planet Earth very rapidly, happening right before our eyes in every arena. Uh, but you know what? I believe it's going to be the greatest time for a sold-out, consecrated believer in the Messiah that operates in the Breaker Anointing. So we have put together what we are calling the Breaker Anointing Kit. It's got two of Barbara Yoder's books, The Breaker Anointing and The Cry God Hears and is waiting to answer. And your CD on sound, it's over the top, all available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. When was the first time you were exposed to the breaker anointing, Barbara? Do you recall? Yeah, I do, because um, I, I, when God took me to uh, Bethesda Missionary Temple in Detroit, he knew I needed teaching and training, and I had no idea where to go. So I just, you know, cried out to God. I said, God, take me someplace. And there would be uh, Mom Beale, as we uh, re- called her, out of both love and, and revering, honoring her. She's a real mother in Zion. Uh, she would sense there would be an oppression in the service, and you could feel it. You could feel like a palpable resistance, oppression at times, just something sitting over the, the service. And I'll never forget, this happened several times during the time that I attended that church and was a part of it. She would roll, they'd roll her in her wheelchair up to the up to the pulpit, and she would take her right hand, lift it up in the air, and let out this word in tongues, harush. It was always the same word, and literally it was as if a, a, a dark presence left that place, and the whole uh, audience, congregation, would break into shouting joy, whatever, because you could just feel that dark, whatever it was, lifting. It was oppression, sometimes depression, uh, but it was always a spirit of resistance, and you could feel it. We could only go so far in the service. Well, let me let me ask you this question. When she let this word out in tongues, uh, did she shout it, or did she just say it like this? Oh, no, she, she said it with great authority. She would say, harush. Because let me ask you something. I've observed when I when I used to have healing lines, I usually now just pray uh, uh, over the the whole congregation at once and miracles break out. But when I used to have healing lines, I would find every once in a while I, I would put my hand on someone and I would almost scream a word. I'd scare myself and for sure I'd scare them. But I noticed there was more power when I got loud because God was telling me to be loud. Uh, you know, I don't understand it, Sid, but I agree with you totally. And what I find is that when when we feel something intensely, and particularly when the anointing, it's not really a feeling, it's a presence of God that comes upon us, that there's an intensity to it at times that you can't help but speak loudly. And I find myself uh, doing that uh, quite frequently, and when that happens, literally, people get healed, um, 
demons will leave. It, it, it's amazing what happens. The whole atmosphere of the congregation will change. Okay, wait. Uh, tell me, uh, paint me a picture right now of one service where Mother Beale uh, yelled with authority, Harush. Tell me what, what, paint a picture of what might have happened. In the service, we would feel a, a real oppression. I, I'm sure you've been to church, and it's like it, when, when you're used to the presence of God and it's not there. Uh, you know that there's something pressing against you, pressing against the service. And I remember this one Sunday particularly, it was like everybody in the whole place was depressed. And you just... What a wonderful church service. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Go ahead. Like, well, why did I come to church today? <laughs> Everybody's in a funk. And she she knew it wasn't a natural funk or a natural depression, she knew it was supernatural. And that Sunday, she came up and let out that haroosh. And I mean, the congregation just started shouting. It was as if you had let a bunch of people out of a cage, which goes along with Micah 2.13. Uh, the breaker, the the breaker will go up before them. He'll break open the way, and when she did that, it was just like joy and shouting broke out. Well, it wasn't just like it did, shouting and joy broke out in the congregation, and uh, they were totally the people, including myself, were totally released from that heavy, oppressive. Presence. It was really a demonic presence trying to keep us from getting where we needed to go in that service that morning. Uh, you know, the, the scripture you keep referring to in Micah, uh, that's Micah 2.13. Uh, I want to read this to you uh, in the message translation. Now, Barbara, uh, what I do is I take translations and I personalize them. Uh, and, and I love it when I take the Word of God and personalize it and say it out loud. But this is from the message. Let me read this to you. I, God, will burst all your confinements and lead you out into the open. I will follow the king. He will be out in front leading me. How do you like that? Oh, that's powerful. I love it. I don't think I have read it in the message. Well, when I read it in the message, it it just all fell into place. Now, you've seen a lot of amazing supernatural things in your life. Uh, You've had personal healings. Tell me a personal healing that you have had for yourself. One one remarkable one was when uh, my husband died in February and in on July 4th of, of that year, I woke up with excruciating pain in my upper neck and back. It, it was, I couldn't even move. Um, I don't know what caused it. I woke up with it and went to the doctor, and he told me that my vertebrae, my, my, not my vertebrae, but my spinal cord, was bulging through a hole in my vertebrae. That sounds awful. I bet it was really painful. It, it's it's the most one of the most painful things I've probably the most painful thing I've ever experienced. Hmm. I've had horrible pain from like abdominal surgery, but I remember by Friday, this was Monday that it started, by Friday of that week, I 
I literally uh, was was in the bathroom uh, thinking, what am I going to do today? And I can remember right where I was, and I said, this pain is so bad, I understand why people commit suicide because of pain. Now, not that I was going to commit suicide, but that was how intense it right. was. The minute I recognized that, I said, I am going to the office. Uh, I hadn't gone to the office. The pain was so excruciating. I had to hold my right arm up all the time just to diminish it slightly. So here I am driving my car two miles to to the church, to the office, and holding my right arm up. And I got there, and I told my staff, I said, listen, either you all are filled with the Spirit of God or you're not. And if you're filled with the Spirit of God, then you can make this pain go away. You can heal my back. And they looked at me like, oh, brother, I can't believe this. And because I knew my spine was my my uh, ver- uh, yeah my spine was bulging out my vertebrae, so I said you're going to do it. Or I said if you don't heal me today, I'm going to fire all of you. So uh, I mean I wasn't really. I, I may try that sometime. No, I'm just teasing. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but but literally, I believed if the spirit of God was in them, then they could heal me by the power of Jesus. And so they laid their hands on me. It took about 30 minutes, and I said, keep going. It's not gone yet. They prayed 30 minutes, and and after about 30 minutes, Sid, that pain was totally gone. I'll never forget it. And I didn't have to have the surgery. And in the meantime, the doctor had lost the MRI results. And so by the time they found them at the university, it was a month later, and I didn't even need the surgery. Uh, Barbara, hold it for one second. God wants to heal people of spine and neck problems. Will you proclaim that right now? I sure will. That's that's what I was thinking. Yes, Lord, right now. I speak to those spinal and those ver- vertebral issues, vertebral issues, and I say be healed right now in Jesus' name. There's somebody who has a, a bulging disc between L3 and L4, and the doctor says he's going to do surgery, and I speak to that right now, and I say be healed in Jesus' name. And and I just see there's somebody right now who's feeling intense heat up and down their spine, and that whatever has been the issue there, uh, the root cause it's it's being eliminated right now. And and just start bending, just start bending your back right where you are, and where you've had pain, you're not going to have pain right now. Don't be afraid to lean over into that pain, because as you lean over, that's your act of faith, and it will disappear. Uh, Barbara, we're out of time right now. We want everyone, everywhere in the world to have the same visitation that Barbara Yoder had when she was listening to Handel's Messiah. Barbara Yoder, tell me what happened. I was, uh, uh, I had received a phone call from a friend of mine and she uh, told me that I, she believed I was called to lead a church. And I just uh, was really baffled by that. She was so uh, afraid of telling me the wrong thing that the minute she told me that, she said she'd been in prayer. Uh, but she didn't really want to tell me that. 
but she felt like she had to, that as soon as she finished telling me that, she hung up on me, and I'm left with this piece of information. But the minute she told me that, the presence of God fell on me. And uh, But I didn't know what to do with it. And it was Christmas time, and I was listening to Handel's Messiah. And it came to that part in the Messiah where it says, Great is the word in the company of the preachers. And when it got to that phrase, all of a sudden I began weeping uncontrollably and speaking in tongues. I mean, I couldn't stop. And for three days, just day and night, I didn't even leave my condominium. I just was so overcome, uh, uh, speaking in tongues and, and weeping, and God just moving over me in a way that uh, I knew he was empowering me in a new way to fulfill what he had birthed me for. Uh, you know, some of the things that interest me is uh, you are an apostle. Now, that word has become cheap today. Uh, many people call themselves apostles uh, because they're super administrators, but, but that's not really God's definition of an apostle. Uh, t- describe to me uh, what an apostle does according to God, not according to their business card. You know, I, I, I'm totally in agreement with you, Sid. It's, uh, I, I, sometimes I shy away from the word just for that reason. I, I don't like any titles for that reason. I can't, I, they say, what should I call you? I said, how about Sid? <laughs> you know, that's, I, I feel that way. I'm but... with you. <laughs> but, but I do know that I'm primarily an apostle. I'm a prophetic apostle. And the apostle isn't a title. It's a function. And so it tells me what I'm to do. It, Paul said, I, Paul, an apostle by the will of God. And so that word apostle told him what he was to do. And the apostle is first in order, not, not in importance, but first in order of the five ministry gifts. And it really is a breakthrough ministry, and it touches all the other uh, fivefold ministries of prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And the apostle can function in any of them, but the purpose of an apostle is an apostle, I believe, has the anointing of a breaker. It is one of the marks of an apostle, is a breaker anointing, because they break in to new territories, they establish and strengthen churches, they, they plant new churches, uh, there's, there's a miraculous anointing. If you look at the apostles, that they were attended by signs and wonders. Uh, so, so for starters, if someone is an apostle, then you can say, well, I want to see the miracles going on in your life. And if there aren't any, suggest that they find an apostle to uh, be mentored under. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Okay. I want to spend uh, a lot of time this week uh, discussing the breaker anointing. Uh, I want you to teach a little on that. Okay. Uh, You recognize that uh, you need a new breakthrough anointing when you're up against a wall and you don't know how to get, or, or, or a closed door and you don't know how to get through it. 
and it's a it's a process that occurs again and again in your life. That's why one of the reasons I wrote the breaker anointing because when people understood the process, it would take them through their entire life. That when God gets ready to take you to a new level of anointing, uh, take you to greater influence, etc., uh, a level of greater influence, that there's always something that has to be broken through. And so you're at the door to a new realm of increase. That that uh, interpretation in the Message Bible that you read the other day uh, it, it so explains it so well. Well, then let me read it again. Read, yeah. Read. Uh, okay. This is from Micah 2.13, the Message Bible, which I personalized. I, God, will burst all your confinements and lead you out into the open. I will follow the king. He will be out in front leading me. Yeah, so see to be so so, so the breaker breaks open all the confinements. And when you're ready, I'm ready to move into a new dimension. There's always the the, the enemy of our soul doesn't want us to get there. He wants us to keep he wants to keep us plateaued, keep us limited, keep us from becoming all we can be. You know, I think that every church in the world needs this breaker anointing because most churches are not normal. Normal is defined by the Bible. They're just religious. They're doing things by rote. Um, could you picture if, uh, what did you call her, Mother Mother Beale uh, from that great church in Detroit that mentored you? Could you picture her going to every church in America and, and yelling that breaker anointing out and having every religious demon vacate that place? Can you imagine what a revival would occur? Well, yeah, and you know, I said, first of all, probably a lot of churches wouldn't have let her in, but you know, Sid, <laughs> the demonstration of the breaker anointing, because she was a woman who had the greatest revival, the greatest level of the latter rain revival that broke out in a local church happened. It happened in her church. She was a woman, Sid, and women can't move in that dimension, but God will move on who he determines to move on. Her church grew out of that revival to be a church of 3,500. It was the fifth largest church in America. That's a breakthrough. I mean, here is a woman who uh, was atypical, who was sold out to God, who literally believed in the New Testament and got New Testament results. Uh, she practiced the breaker. She released the breaker all the time. Over 450 to 500 alcoholics were freed under her ministry. People were healed regularly. Tumors dropped off of people. I mean, it was it was amazing to see uh, uh, her in operation. And I just believe that is normal Christianity. And I believe that we have dumbed down and watered down and neutered the church because we're afraid we'll lose uh, our congregation, lose finances, whatever. But I believe every Sunday should be a revival breakthrough Sunday 
over something because that was the New Testament pattern. They were always breaking in the new territory. Miracles were happening. Uh, when persecution came, you couldn't get the church down. That was so important what you said. When persecution comes, sometimes I wonder, the hottest churches in America are what are called seeker-sensitive. I don't read about seeker-sensitive churches in the entire Bible. I read about God-sensitive. But they say it works, and it does, because uh, it's wonderful things for children and to, uh, and families to come together. Uh, and people say, I go there even though they, they're not spirit-filled, uh, because they have such wonderful pro- social programs and for, for the family. Uh, Barbara, how will those churches and those Christians hold out when persecution comes? I've asked that same question because the New Testament church was so filled with the Spirit of God, they had experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They were endued with an extraordinary, supernatural God power, uh, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, which was the Spirit of Jesus, and to, to literally get through every difficulty. You know, Jude says, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And so how are we going to have the faith to get through the times ahead? I believe it's through praying in the Spirit. And we're not going to be able to be a seeker-sensitive church. We're going to have to be a God-aware church because we're going to have to know where the enemy is. I had a friend who was in the war in, um, in Bosnia, when when that was going on, Serbia, Croatia, Bosnia, and he told me he had to ask God when to cross the street just to miss the bullets, that if he crossed the street at the wrong time, he could get killed. And I thought, today we don't even know the voice of God. And so what what is the church going to do when they're more interested in drama lessons, ballet, family programs. Well, well, the whole thing that has evolved is it's sort of like a theater-style church where they, the believers go on Sunday to the best show in town, and they sit in the audience, and they applaud at the right times, and then they go home, and they eat, and they watch their football game, and they wonder why they don't hear from God. I know. You know, when I get, became a Christian— I was so different. I was so hungry for God. You couldn't sit me down or shut me up. And because I I so desperately wanted everything, I just didn't want a pretty Jesus. I wanted the real Jesus. As a matter of fact, you talk about the need for a new breed of Christian. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a bit about that and the Breaker Anointing on tomorrow's broadcast, but I want to put in your hands this amazing package called the Breaker Anointing Kit. Uh, now, Barbara Yoder isn't speaking from theory. She lives it, and she has the anointing on her material that'll just jump off of her onto you. It's two books and a CD. On, you will never be the same after you hear this CD on the Power of Sound. The entire package is available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697.
tell me what you what you see about ready to break loose. Ian, I just met with uh, 17 leaders from China, and they are having 10 million people a year saved. So it's already happening in some places. But I believe in the United States, God is allowing uh, us to get more and more desperate. I believe that we are going to enter a season of desperation because I believe that desperation bursts revival. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily prayer or anything else, but a desperation that only God can answer. God can can bring the pattern, the architectural pattern, the plan to break through. Israel was in Egypt, and they had gained uh, numbers of people. They had increased mightily, but Egypt... Uh, didn't like them and wanted them wanted to make it more and more difficult for them. What was it that created a cry in Israel that said, "Get me out of here"? Because Israel's destiny wasn't Egypt. Israel's destiny was Canaan, which is a promised land, which is Israel today. And so it was that cry of desperation that wasn't just a complaining cry, a murmuring cry, but there was a genuine, uh, I believe, that that Israel came to grips with their destiny, which was uh, Canaan. And they realized that no longer was Egypt their destiny, so they began to cry out to God for supernatural deliverance. And then God raised up Moses and released him, and use Moses to deliver them, to break them out of the confinements, that's the breaker anointing, of Egypt. He he broke open the Red Sea so they could get across and into the wilderness territory uh, so that they could break through into Canaan. What took them 40 years only should have taken them 11 days. But nevertheless, that's a picture I believe that it is going to get worse in America. I believe the true church is going to get happier and happier because I believe like the New Testament church, the the real church today is the New Testament church. And the New Testament church has great joy even in the midst of trouble, persecution, tribulation, and people are are so worried about all these things in America. And still, I hate to say this, but I'm holding up my hand and saying hallelujah, because something has got to move the church beyond the comfort level. Why, why is the church crying today? I believe they're like Israel, because they can't have the houses and lands like they used to. They can't afford this. They can't afford this that they're complaining about a comfort level when God is interested in far more than comfort. He's interested in a people who change the world. And speaking about changing the world, I cannot believe before my very eyes uh, how the depths of depravity in the morality of this country, just when I think it's going down uh, as far as it can go, it goes down further. Something, somewhere, somehow has got to reverse this cycle that's going on. I know, and I think that it's 
it's all these things that are literally pressing in upon the church. Will the church stand up and be the church? And will it break through? I believe that we have got to break through. We've not got to be afraid of this stuff. I am not homophobic, but we've got to have a power that breaks the power of homosexuality. We've got to have a power uh, that breaks people through drug addiction. Uh, we've got to we've got to have power that breaks people through the sexual addictions today. Uh, when when I go out among my friends who aren't saved, it's like the hair on the back of my neck stands up when I when I find out what's going on today. And, and now, now on the flip side of it, there have been times in history where entire cities have had all their bars closed down. Uh, tell, tell me one that you're aware of. Well, I do know that, um, uh, you know, John Calvin was thrown out of France, and he went to Geneva, Switzerland in, what was it, the 1500s, and, and Geneva, Switzerland was the worst city in all of Europe. It had the most alcoholics. The streets smelled like urine. It was known as the dirtiest, awfulest city in all of Europe. And John Calvin went there and began to preach the gospel mightily. And Geneva, Switzerland turned to God. Now, today, it's not like it was in John Calvin's time, but yeah, you can see the results of Christianity uh, in, in, in what Geneva is, in that it became uh, one of the wealthiest, most prosperous cities in all of Europe because of what John Calvin did. And then his teachings began to spread to other places in Europe and change Europe, I believe, that that's what's happening today. You look at people like Reinhard Bonnke. Uh, I go to a place in South Africa where Reinhard Bonnke preached mightily the gospel in the 70s, had a huge tent meeting, and said uh, one, one day when he was preaching, he waved his hand across the thousands that were there. And I don't know, but they said thousands went down in the area of Venda, South Africa, under the power of the Holy Spirit. They just were slain in the Spirit, thousands of them. These people were so slain in the Spirit that they had to carry them home on stretchers. Well, what happened was, and and then not only did they carry them home on stretchers, but the people didn't come to for a few days. I, I think we need a vision of the power of God and not the power of the devil. You look at the news, you read the newspapers, all you read about is the power of the devil. We need a vision for the power of God. Tell me about this breaker anointing. What is this going to accomplish in a church, in a city, in a family? Well, it's it's going to break through the powers that are holding that city, that church, that family captive. That's what happened in Venda. It broke the power of the snake god. They had no churches there, or if they did, they were very tiny churches. After uh, Reinhard Bronke broke that power, that what happened is churches began to proliferate, and now it's it's the ordinary church is a thousand. Uh, I've spoken there at a church that's five thousand, and this is ordinary for that territory. I believe that when we get people that are 
totally committed to God and totally committed to his purposes that we're literally going to see hell move out of the way and heaven come in. Uh, You know, I believe we're in a period of history called the great wealth transfer. Uh, When it comes to the breaker anointing, how does this affect finances? Not so much to consume it on the lust of the flesh, but to, to live at a, a decent comfort level and be able to pro, proclaim the gospel and do humanitarian works. Uh, how would the breaker anointing apply there? Well, I believe that there's a, you know, the New Testament speaks about the God of mammon. So there's actually a demonic structure that is holding mammon captive but God wants to release it into the righteous hands so that we can administrate it for humanitarian and philanthropic efforts. And so what are we going to need to do that? We're going to need a breakthrough anointing. We're going to need people who know how to pray and get the revelation to find out what what exactly it is that's holding that money in captivity, and then to pray and break through that power so that the wealth begins to get released to the righteous. Uh, you know, you can see it in, um, in some businesses now. I was just with, uh, in, in another nation, I, I'm not free to speak in detail about it, but uh, because it's in, a, it's in a non-Christian nation, but this person has built a business that has nine offices and over 500 employees. How did this person do it? They did it through prayer and declaration, believing that God wanted to release money so that this person could literally minister to the orphans in that, uh, in, in, in that nation, uh, the poverty-stricken people. And that's what this person has done. And I just went to that business that had both Christian and Muslim employees preached to anybody who wanted to and prophesied to over a hundred of them. Why, why did I do that? Why did I make that investment? Because I believe that, that this person understands what God wants to do with wealth and business today. And I, I wanted to go in and literally preach a breakthrough message to, those biz, to, to that business and, and then prophesy to them. And that's what I did. And I said that in a very short period of time, you're going to double. Now, it's been too short a period of time to see that happen. But they did hear that they were going to get a contract, a new contract, equal to the one they already, to one of the ones they already had, which would double the business. Would you teach a little bit, or start out by explaining what the breaker anointing is? Sure. What the breaker anointing is is the power from God Himself to break through any impossible situation. There's three things we need to understand. Number one, we need to understand what God has already made available to us. And that's in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. You can look at at Colossians chapter 1. We've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And so we're of a different kingdom, the kingdom of God. We have His DNA. That means that there's nothing impossible to us as long as we operate within 
the sphere of authority, 2 Corinthians 10, and the measure of the sphere that God has given to us, which is our destiny. If we are in the realm that God has assigned us to, that means that nothing that is required for us to break through is impossible, and we have got to then believe God, release our faith, release our words to line up with that, because we've got the power of God inside of us. We know our identity, and we know who God is. But we also understand that there's an enemy that's trying to keep us from moving through the gate into a new place. And every time there's a breakthrough, we always have to face new fears that may be in us, old mindsets. We have to release them because at the door to the new place, the place of increase, there's always two powers that, that oppose us. And one is fear or old mindsets or relationships, peer relationships that we don't want to disappoint or we don't want to go against that they keep pulling us back into the old place, so we've got to overcome those. And that's one of the words for threshold in the gate in the Old Testament. And the other thing is the Python spirit, which we feel like when we're getting ready to go into a new place, like we're going to die, when God has called us to move up to a higher place. A year ago, God told me he wanted me to move into a whole new level of healing. I mean, it scared the bejeebies out of me. And I thought, I don't know how to do that. So I had to face my fears. And then I thought, I'm going to die. I don't have the anointing, blah, blah, blah. All were lies. I had to believe the Word of God and apply it to a new level of the healing anointing breaking out through my actions. So when I did, how did I do that? I did it through releasing my faith. What did that look like? I began to just plain heal the sick. And so it was by releasing faith in obedience to what God said and declaring with my mouth what God said and not what the fears on the inside of me were saying. Tell me about that young girl, just an example with spinal bifida uh, that got healed. Yeah, this this little kid, maybe six, seven years age, she was an adorable little girl. And she couldn't walk without braces because uh, of the damage of spina bifida. She would fall. And I asked her if she could take her braces off, and she said yes. And I said, because I want you to try and walk without your braces. Well, this cutie pie took the braces off. She was so excited. Said she began to walk. And I said, walk a little bit further. She walked a little bit further. I said, now just keep on walking. Do you know she didn't, she did not fall down once. And then I said, walk a little faster. Finally, I had her running back and forth across the front. I mean, the whole uh, church where I was ministering knew this little kid. They knew that was a miracle. And they were shouting and hooping and hollering because that was a breakthrough. And the next day, she came to church. She didn't have money for shoes, so I just slipped $100 to her parents to get her some new shoes, whatever she needed 
to for her feet because she her shoes will only fit if the braces were on. So she needed a smaller pair of shoes. That kid came to the church next day, used that money to buy a new pair of shoes, a new dress, and she came and she sat with me as long as I was sitting down before I ministered because God totally healed her. I, I saw a guy healed of hepatitis C, the blood. The doctors tested him three times. And it came back negative, and finally they said he has been healed. Not only was he healed of hepatitis C, but he was healed of a liver transplant that had gone dead, and they were going to have to replace. It had been there for 10 years. And his liver transplant got healed, and it was acting like a normal liver again because I decided to break through the lie that I didn't really have much of a healing anointing. You know, the more we think, the more areas that we have to break through. For instance, how about some of your family that has been unsaved for years and years to the point where you pray a prayer, but it's not even with belief anymore? Uh, Or how how about your finances? Or, Or how about your destiny, that dream that God put in your heart? It seems like the more you prayed, uh, the less likely it'll ever, it, it, it looks, how, how about the wife or the husband that's leaving and you're in the midst of a horrible divorce? Uh, how about the church that is split? How about the city uh, that, that has bars and, and prostitutes and drugs and, uh, and, and our whole country now having uh, morning after pills uh, with no age constraint? Barbara, there's such a power in the anointing and the vibrations of your very words when you pray that that breaker anointing is going to accomplish what our people need right now. Lord, in the power of the name of Jesus, that name that is above every name, that is named in heaven above or earth below, names of sicknesses and diseases, names of, of, of financial blockages, names of family members. Your name is greater than anything that is standing in the way. And I declare now breakthroughs over families that the prodigals are going to begin to turn and come home, that there's families out there that are captivated by sickness and disease. And I speak to those sicknesses and diseases, and I say, be gone in the power of the name of Jesus, that just of the sound of my voice, when it's anointed, that there's a vibration that acts like um, it, it breaks up kidney stones. It breaks up the hard places. It breaks up the bones that are fused and aren't moving because it's the sound of Jesus. And I declare that this sound is the sound that literally set the earth in motion. And it's it's setting uh, financial breakthroughs in motion. It's setting um, a deliverance in motion. There's people out there that are addicted that, I, uh, that right now that that addiction is breaking off of them in the power of Jesus' name. There's people caught in in uh, old mindsets and habit patterns, in negative patterns and and negative declarations. And I break the power 
of of the words of their mouth in Jesus' name, and I break the bitterness and unbelief and anger and wounding that's at the bottom of that negativity. And I say be healed through the love of Jesus that overcomes everything. Uh, when, once you see the love of Jesus, that, that, that you will break through the negativity and you will begin to release your voice and speak to those situations around you and you'll see them transformed. That there's transformation even taking place right now. That there's somebody that was just diagnosed with glaucoma. And I say to that glaucoma, leave in the power of Jesus' name. Be healed. There's somebody else um, who, who, who just heard they had to have a right knee replacement. I speak healing to that knee in the power of the name of Jesus. There's, there's lungs out there that are needing lung transplants, that I speak to those lungs right now. I speak to the alveoli, to the bronchioles, to the blood system, to every part of that uh, pulmonary system, and I say be healed in the power of Jesus' name. Breathe like you've never breathed before, because the breaker has gone before you, and he's breaking you out of a narrow place, a place where you've been imprisoned and confined, and breaking you into a large place, a free place, you're being freed from imprisonment. There's somebody out there with bipolar disease and depression, and I speak to that, and I release it in the power of the name of Jesus, and I say, be gone, be broken in Jesus' name. I break the power of the confinement of mental disease in Jesus' name, because God is the breaker, and the Word of God says He goes before us, and He breaks open. He breaks us out of the narrow place and into the broad place where we no longer are imprisoned. And I say, you are no longer imprisoned, but you are walking into a place of freedom and liberty and the joy of the Lord. And some of you are going to begin to laugh right now because you're recognizing the Spirit of God bubbling up in you right now, breaking through that which you didn't think could be broken through. But our God God is an awesome God, and he is going before you now. I want to put in your hands this amazing package called the Breaker Anointing Kit. Uh, now, Barbara Yoder isn't speaking from theory. She lives it, and she has the anointing on her material that'll just jump off of her onto you. It's two books and a CD. On, you will never be the same after you hear this CD on the power of sound. The entire package is available for a gift of $35. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222 Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 
704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.